The Money Show. Other people's money. Well, welcome back to The Money Show. And it's time for one of my favorite features, Other People's Money. We get all access into other people's pockets, not literally, of course. We talk to South Africans from all walks of life. And uh, we ask them about their relationship with money and possibly get some gems from them on how to save our own. Now, today we're going to be speaking to Songezo Zibi. He's the chairman at Rivonia Circle. Uh, Songezo Zibi has more than 20 years of corporate experience, uh, during which he has been a communication and corporate affairs professional and a leader in diverse industries. Prior to joining APSA as the head of communications, he was the editor of Business Day as a journalist and editor. And I'm interested to know why, because our industry is not known for high pay. Songezo has written extensively about South Africa's political system, economy, and social dynamics. In January this year, he announced the launching of Ravonia Circle, a think tank that will give birth to innovative and more effective ways of political participation. He's penned two books. His first was the acclaimed Raising the Bar, Hope and Renewal in South Africa, and that was in 2014. And most recently, the book Manifesto. He joins us now to tell us about his personal relationship with money. Songhezo, welcome to The Money Show. Good evening, and thanks for having me. Good evening. So how much money do you have in your wallet right now? <laughs> I think I have 200 right now. <laughs> That's uh, decent enough. Thereabouts, give or take. I still uh, believe actually in cash. Actually, it's 190 rand. I paid parking. With oh, of course, yeah, you even keeping uh, tabs on the exact amount. I'm also a cashless <laughs> king person, but I'm seeing that you're very particular with your money. First off, I remember you tweeting earlier this year, uh, Songhezo, asking for advice about the most fuel-efficient car in the market uh, as petrol prices were going up. I'm just interested to know: Have you got a pocket rocket that you've bought now to save on petrol? Yeah, I do. So I I have an Audi A3 1400, 1.4 TFSI. So that's what I I settled on as my as my car, and it's it's very economical. So out of the 55 liter tank, I get a, a somewhere between 700 and 750 kilometers. So it's not bad. That's a smart move. That's a smart move. Just take us back into your upbringing and uh, your first clash or maybe your first love with money. Yeah, so I grew up in a village uh, in Ganduli in the Eastern Cape. And uh, the first, uh, my first relationship with money was my pocket money, actually, that I used to get from from my grandparents. And if I recall, it was 10 cents per day. So I was getting 50 cents a week. And um, the snacks we would buy were were eight cents i think in total so but i never used to keep the two cents i would spend it all and then and then on fridays uh, my grandfather would refuse to give me the you know another 10 cents because uh, supposedly on the first four days of the week i should have saved the two cents (laughs) so that i can have the eight cents on friday (laughs) and what exactly were you spending the the five the five cents on no it was it was sweet. I mean, we, I mean, we, you had a lunchbox, you take bread, it's sort of a sandwich of sorts there to school. And then you like buy sweets. But I also remember at, at some point there was a, some cool drink called the Queen Kona. This is now second 1984. Yeah. And, and I was getting a bit more then. And, and that cool drink was actually 15 cents. And you were and addicted so to it, you, know, huh? you would have your sandwich and then, 
Yeah, and, and then it just disappeared, actually. One day it wasn't there, so I don't, I don't know what happened. I think it was all the parents complaining about the children spending all their money on it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone made it disappear. So at what point did you realize that, you know, money is important in life? I know you said your, your grandfather gave you that uh, lesson early on to say, look, we're giving you money during the week. By the end of the week, you should at least have some left. Yeah, look, I mean, the first time I had to really think carefully about money is when I actually uh, left high school and I and I went to I went I went to what is now Nelson Mandela University and my mother would give me uh, 300 rand for the month and it just was never enough. This is now 1996. It was 300 was a lot back then, wasn't it? uh, For food. It was a lot, but it also wasn't like enough because um, the food was expensive actually uh, already for for that kind of for that kind of money. So you needed to be very careful with uh, with money. But no matter how careful one was, it just never used to go far enough. So we used to just band together at res and and eat at, at somebody's place on each day and rotate. So so that used to kind of make the money go around. But that was the first time I got to realize that, sure, you know, there's not enough money going around. So if you can get it, try and try and keep it. Did you try to get uh, work uh, while you were studying just to supplement the 300 that you got from your parents? And what type of work were you doing back then if you did any? No, so the first bit of work that I that I did was was during um, was during the the holidays in June mostly, and uh, occasionally in September. I mean, I was there for for two years, and then I I started working at Volkswagen. So in that two years, uh, during June, I was I was tutoring at a college in uh, in town in Kabeha in Port yes. Elizabeth then. In Central Hill, so there was a, an FET college there, and uh, and I was tutoring. And actually, I bought myself out of my first job. I bought myself a pair of jeans, and a golf shirt, and sneakers. I I have photos of myself wearing those. I was very proud of. Yeah, them. you had to look good at varsity. I if also, you were working. yeah, I also did the field work. I remember we did a, a survey in the townships of Port Elizabeth which seemed to have been some kind of income level survey. And and people used to say there's only one income earner and it's low income, but but the people had an MNET decoder and things. So I remember doing that and I, I would get a bit of money from those things as well. All right, uh, that song is Ozibi telling us about some of the things he had to do early on for some money. He's, of course, uh, letting us go into his wallet today in the Other People's Money feature, and we'll be picking up that conversation with him after this. The Money Show. Other People's Money. Welcome back to The Money Show. Of course, we are talking other people's money with Songhezo Zibi, chairman of the Rivonia Circle. And he was taking us through his um, varsity journey where he started making a bit of money. But then you moved to uh, Volkswagen, um, you know, and got into the corporate world. Is that where you started to appreciate, uh, you know, how money is used and what you wanted to do with it at that particular time? Yeah, actually, I didn't appreciate it until much later. I must say, I mean, I was I was young and stupid, really. I I mean, I was more excited about the fact that I I had a car, 
uh, than anything else. But when I started at, at Volkswagen, I was uh, I was an intern. I was doing my third year, so I was doing my my in service training there, and I was getting paid 115 rand a day, which which was a wow. lot of money to me. Yeah, I thought definitely uh, until I, I had to move into like uh, an apartment and have to buy a bed that sort of thing. But my first because they offered me a permanent job. So my, my first paycheck was for 4,872 rand, 50-something odd cents. I don't know how it was calculated, but there were cents on the, on the other hand. I still have the pay slip. And that was my, my first paycheck uh, as a permanent employee, and that was in January 1999, uh, the first time I was working. I think that's when I realized money really doesn't go far enough because... I was now getting no support from my mother at all yeah. to look after myself. And it wasn't as easy as <laughs> I thought it was, but certainly better than when I was, a, I was a student. And what would you tell that young man today in, in hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight, of course, you've gone through your career and you've grown and matured. You know, what would you advise him and other young people that are starting their jobs in terms of uh, keeping your money for as long as you can? I'd actually advise them to avoid credit. I mean, we've got tight credit uh, credit regulations now in terms of, you know, who, who gets granted credit. And, and I know sometimes in other contexts people complain about it, but I think it's a good thing. So when I started working, I was already listed uh, on the credit bureau because what used to happen is that the, the retail stores, and, and it's funny enough, it's a, it's a struggling um, uh, clothing uh, store group, um, they open, we could easily open a, a clothing account. And of course, you have no money. You think the 300 rand is going to be enough, and, and it wasn't. So and I, did, I hadn't realized I owed the money, and I kind of went along my merry way. Then I wanted to buy a TV on, on higher purchase. On higher purchase. And I was told I couldn't. I was listed. Yeah, yeah, it made my life really difficult. I had to settle that with 800 rand. What, what I'd been owing before was something like 120 rand or something, but including collection fees and legal costs and so on. And, and that thing set like on my record for quite a while. Eh? It, it wasn't good. So I would ad- advise that, please, like try and avoid credit if you can help it, because then you're not going to spend money that you don't have. Uh, that is not yours and rather try and stick within your your own means and, and spend what you have rather then so you moved up the, the corporate ladder and i have to say that's very good advice you moved up the corporate ladder uh you you went on to to the likes of absa but then at some point you decide to move to the other side as as we like to call it we we do call uh, the corporate side the dark side um you know as journalists but you move to our side where people aren't encouraged to come in because of course we don't get pay, we don't get paid that much uh, so did you take a pay cut to move into the media industry yeah i moved to the financial mail from uh, from extrata mining company which actually paid exceptionally well i must say and i took a pay cut it was about a 45 percent pay cut that i took to to join the financial mail and that's because I was intending to take a sabbatical anyway and and write my first book, Raising the Bar, which I'd already started writing. Uh, when Glencore took it started over in 2013, I decided to leave and I was going to spend much of that year writing. But Peter Bruce uh, persuaded me to join the financial mail. So, so initially I thought, ah, you know, it's a pay cut, but it's fine. I was going to be sitting at home anyway, so I get to save 
on using my own savings. But then I ended up staying for for three years, uh, two of which was as editor of the business day. But financially, that period was possibly the, the unwisest. But in terms of my own development as a human being and in terms of career and leadership and life experience, it probably was the most valuable time of my life. So the pay cut was worth it. And what has been your biggest failure uh, with money, you think? I, I think I'm I'm too generous with it. I think uh, I so I I always can't can't help myself. You know, like I, I try and help people, and sometimes I I think after like I don't know, like after a year, I think you know if I hadn't given all of those people that money, I probably would have a bit more. <laughs> I should take your number <laughs> to go on holiday or something. <laughs> but but I mean that that's that's the only thing. But I I don't really regret it because I also believe that when you when you you know. Uh, too much is given, much is expected. As they mm, say. And mm. you know, I'll, I'll get that money back somehow. And I've been fortunate to to not struggle financially, even though I've taken pay cuts and so on. I I try and live within my means all the time, and so I, I don't have the kind of problems that we would write about in the business day, where where people have have accumulated huge assets on through borrowing and they now underwater. I've never gotten into that kind of thing. Um, so I've always been able to make it basically through through the month and through the years and save and, and look after my family and so on. You now run uh, a think tank, uh, the Ravonia Circle. You know, what does it take to, to fund such activities? You know, it is a platform, of course, that calls on other researchers or experts from other industries, but it also does need money to run. You know, so how have you raised those funds and, you know, how, how has it gone since you launched so, I mean, you know, it's a non-profit first of all, right? Which means, which means that you you spend a lot of time asking people with money for money, okay? And uh, it's a it's, it's not it's easy not to do capital raising when it's un, it's not unlike capital raising when I when I worked for listed companies, especially for extract, right? Where you know you would state your case you have to have a solid case you have to have a solid business plan and and a clear outline of what you're going to do and what the outcome is going to be so i've had to do that quite a bit and that experience um working for for a listed company has been very useful because uh, i'm able to formulate the case and together with my colleagues we've had we've had very good um very good support i mean money is always needed but that experience has been helpful in, in funding the, the institution. Yes, and those were, of course, your lessons with money. Are there any things you still want to achieve in terms of your money or getting more money? Yeah, look, I mean, you know what? If there's one thing I can do is, is, to, is, to, is, to, is to keep limiting, limiting the extent to which I'm exposed to debt. Yeah. Uh, because you're better able to manage the swings in income. And, and that's how I'm able to live a, a well-paying job at Upside and go into a non-profit environment and not get paid for, for quite a while before I actually start throwing a salary and so on. It all comes from not being exposed, in, overexposed in terms of credit. So that's the first thing. The second thing is 
try not spend frivolously. So I try and, and not spend mm. frivolously. I mean, I do spend quite a bit. I mean, I mean, my my weakness is shirts and ties. Um, but apart <laughs> from that, I don't really have anything I overindulge in. So I try and spend within my means. And those two pieces of advice I would. And yeah. the last one is, if you if you've got a bit of money to spare, try and uh, and invest in, in equities. All right, that was the money advice from Songhezo Zibi in our other people's money today, saying to live within your means and if you can, invest your money.